Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Just want to start off by saying that you can always join Josh every Monday evening at 6 p.m. He talks retirement with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. It is called Money Mondays. And in case you missed that, you can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com. And to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, if you have questions for Josh, his phone number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh, let's start off the show. When new clients or people come to you to check over their retirement plans, what are the most common things that they're missing or mistakes in their plans, like things they overlooked? Well, one thing that I oftentimes hear is that, you know, my, my plan has a match. How great is that? But nobody really seems to talk about their vesting program and their match. So oftentimes they'll look at their plan and realize that their plan not be, might not be the greatest. Um, I could do better elsewhere, perhaps, and we can talk about the reasons why that is. But I'm going to invest in my plan because I get this great match. For every dollar I put in, they match dollar for dollar up to 5% or 2% or what, whatever that number is. Which, let me first say, that is awesome. That's a 100% rate of return on every dollar you contribute. But it's also important to look at the vesting schedule. And, you know, it's not like it used to be. Uh, people don't work for their employers for their entire career anymore. Matter of fact, I saw, I saw a stat recently that the average American will have like a dozen jobs throughout their working lifetime. So if you think about working for, let's just for easy math, say, uh, you know, for 36 years and you have a dozen jobs, that means you're switching employers on average every three years. Well, if you have a vesting schedule that, that's five or six or seven years long, you might not actually benefit from that match when you leave. For example, most uh, that I see, most vesting programs are 20% per year for five years. So you're not getting the full value of that matching clause inside of your 401k. So that does not mean that I'm telling anybody not to contribute to their 401k. I'm just simply saying make sure you know the rules of that matching investing and include that in the analysis of your total 401k. And that brings me to my next point is what do I need to analyze to make sure that my 401k is a good one? Well, one, I would take a look at all the investments. And I think what you'll typically find, Diane, is that your program probably has a lot of great long-term stock-based options, um, particularly in the large company categories. So if you're looking for uh, an S&P 500 fund, it's probably a very low-cost option for you that'll work very, very well. The problem it starts to show up in the ancillary type of investments. For example, you know, I'd like to invest in maybe your thing, Diane, which is real estate. I'd like to get into some sort of REIT. It's probably not available inside of your 401k. Or maybe I'm right around the corner from retirement, 
and I had a good friend that was about to retire in 2001, and I saw what happened to their 401k. It was going gangbusters just like everything's been going for the last you know, 10 or 15 years, uh, 10 or 12 years uh, here as of late. They were doing the exact same thing, and then they went to retire, and 2001 happened, and their 401k turned into a, a 201k. So I'd like to take some money off the table put it in a more conservative option, like maybe a, you know, a long-term income-generating annuity, or I would like to put it in some sort of guaranteed account, and I know that bonds aren't probably the best choice for me because of interest rates or whatever the reason, you definitely don't have that option, or I would be very shocked if you had any of those options inside of your 401k. So what I see oftentimes people do is they just end up being far too aggressive inside of their 401k for their age or goals. So common mistakes would be ignoring the vesting schedule, and then allocating uh, when you're in your 20s and still having it like you're in your 20s, even though you're in your 60s. So ignoring uh, revisiting asset allocation is a very big one. The other one is not doing some catch-up. So I'm kind of going the opposite direction now and saying maybe you don't want to put as much money into your 401k as you thought because of the vesting schedule. Maybe other options are better. Maybe diversifying beyond your 401k is better. But then let's say you're behind the eight ball and now you are in your late 50s, early 60s, and you realize that maybe you weren't the best saver when you were in your 20s and 30s and not making adjustments to get the catch-up contributions and being able to overfund and get the tax deductions for those 401k contributions along the way. So not knowing that you can actually do catch-up contributions once you're over the age of 50. So there's a lot of other ancillary things that we could talk about, like, you know, should I do Roth versus my traditional contribution that people often overlook? Um, not going up to the match, even though it's immediately vested, which that one is directly contradictory to what I said before. But all these point to lack of education as to how their plan works and utilizing the plan to the best of their ability, which is why I recommend you always meet with someone in the investment world, our office, someone to walk you through how does your plan work, how does that incorporate into your total retirement plan, and how should you be using your existing plan to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck? Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Let's, let's walk people through the Aptus Blueprint process so that they know what to expect when they call your office. Sure. Uh, well, meeting one, we're just going to find out a lot about you. So that's, let's call it an info gathering meeting, or uh, we call it a discovery meeting. Uh, bring everything that you have, including your 401k, life insurance policies, that extra Roth IRA that you've been saving to, or whatever it might be, and then come with questions. These are the things that I'm trying to get out of this meeting. I, and that can be ranging from, this really isn't my thing, and I know at some point I'm going to want to walk away from this job. What do I do? All the way to, I'd like to have a house in Florida. I'd like to snowbird. I don't know, help with my kids' college. Whatever those goals are, bring them with you. We're going to find out what you've been doing so far to save towards those goals. And then in meeting number two, we're going to analyze, is your arrow going to hit the target based upon what you're doing right now? And what risks are you taking or what speed bumps could get in the way of getting you to where you want to go? Um, this is, I would call it risk analysis. And then in meeting number three, we call it the blueprint. We're going to tell you exactly what you should be doing. This is an actionable plan where you can take the necessary steps to get to where you want to go. This is, where, this is where the rubber meets the road, Diane. You know exactly what you should be doing now moving forward. And then not until meeting number four are we going to realize uh, or make a decision. Is this a mutually beneficial relationship for us to act upon? Are we going to work together for the next 20, 30 years?
What are some of the things that people come to you that you are just uh, shocked about that other advisors are, are telling them and they shouldn't be? I think oftentimes two things. Certain advisors try to be a jack of all trades. And I think there's, while that's good, because they can give you a pretty broad brushstroke of information, uh, at least general information on things ranging from, you know, where should I get my disability insurance all the way to where should I buy my best term insurance to, you know, how do I fill out the FAFSA form to how do I retire? While it's good to get general information, you really want a specialist in an area that can uncover all of the nuances of that. So in our office, we handle very specifically retirement income distribution planning. So folks who are very close to or are in retirement is really our wheelhouse. And then secondly, I think getting with someone who uh, does not have a specialization in that particular area but acts as though they do, and you're getting kind of half-hearted advice. Uh, for example, there's a ton of people, Diane, running around that really just have insurance licenses that say they're financial planners, and really what they're doing is peddling annuities. Or, on the flip side, there are people who are purely securities guys that they have a, uh, an equity solution to every problem, and they believe insurance is the worst thing ever, and annuities have no place. When in reality, the answer is probably a combination of all these things in the middle. So while I'm saying that you need to have somebody that specializes in retirement income planning and income distribution, you also need to have someone who has the understanding and ability to use all of the different tools available to them to actually create a plan based upon what your goals are. And how does an average person know? Well, therein lies the difficulty. So first step would be make sure you're working with a fiduciary. Fiduciary simply means they cannot be commission-driven. So if you've ever had a fear when you're talking to your existing planner or you're talking to any planner or any investment person and you think, I, I think they're telling me the right thing, but is this just more in their best interest in the way of their compensation or is it in my best interest? The easy way to get through that hurdle is work with a fiduciary. By their kind of doctrine or governance, they are not allowed to uh, sell something to you that is... Uh, disproportionately compensates them one way or the other. So they're getting compensated the same regardless of which product or service they are representing. The only way that they can make more money is by making you more money. So that's step number one. Step number two, find out what licenses they hold. What are they actually able to do? Meaning if somebody has only an insurance license and no securities license, I bet you they're going to try and sell you something in the insurance realm. And furthermore, they're definitely not a fiduciary because they can't be. If somebody only has a securities license and not an insurance license, you can kind of see where this is going, right? So find out what licenses they hold. Find out what their background is in specialization before you tell them what you want. And then make sure they're a fiduciary. Those are very good places to start, and then we could go on from there. There's no uh, Yelp for financial advisors. Is there, is it, is it, should people ask people for reviews or... You mean for referrals? Yeah. Referrals, people yeah. people they're working with? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad idea. The unfortunate reality is if, if I was asking you for three referrals, I'm sure you have three people that would give you glowing reviews, and you're not going to give that one person that uh, you did not do, get along with. So referrals are always going to be good. Um, I think, you know, the unfortunate reality, Diane, is you're right, there isn't any Yelp. And I would go even further than that to say that there's a lot of websites out there where advisors can sign up and it sounds like a great thing. You know, I'm part of the super advisor board, when in reality, how do you get to be part of the super advisor board? Um, and I'm just making that up. Hopefully there isn't an actual super advisor board out yeah, there. But, but we get what you're you know, saying. You throw in the $500 annual fee and all of a sudden you're part of this uh, super advisor board. So be cautious of... 
uh, meaningless certifications, uh, but also take to heart certifications that are actually looked at uh, very favorably. For example, a CFP is no you know light lifting. You have to go through a lot of extra, a lot of extra education to get a CFP. And a, and what does that stand for? CFP stands for Certified Financial Planner. Okay. And RICP stands for a Retirement Income Certified Professional. Both of these you can get through the American College, and that's a very well-respected college in our world. So make sure you go, and, and I am an RICP, I am a fiduciary, I have all the licenses to do everything that we we're talking about, but make sure whoever you're working with does that. Go look them up on uh, FINRA's website or the SEC, depending upon uh, what, what their state operates under, but go look them up. Have they had any complaints? Um, you know, if they have had any complaints, if they had any bankruptcies, how is their financial situation? Um, then get referrals. And you kind of have to put all this stuff together and that coupled with your natural gut instinct and find out if they're the right fit for you. And then the Aptus Blueprint process that you take people through, they can decide at that point whether you guys are a good fit as well. Absolutely. And you have plenty of time. This is a long interview process between me and the client to find out if our process, our system, and quite frankly, not just my methodology, but my personality is a good fit for you. This is going to be a long-term relationship, and I, you have to make sure that the way that I convey information is a good way for you to learn. Now, obviously, I've been doing this a long time, Diane, so I understand how to convey information in different ways. But still, certain times, personalities just don't work. Uh, so it, it gives us three, four meetings to decide, is this, in fact, going to be a good long-term fit? And there's nothing that I want to make sure that happens more than you getting what you want out of the process just as much as you being a good client fit for me. So let's take time, make sure we uh, don't take the decision lightly because it's a very, very long-term decision. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. The recording you can always find at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You are listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. Josh, what should people do to figure out if it's really the right time for them to retire? Well, I think there's a, you know, let's cover dollars and cents and then whether or not it is the right time for them to retire, almost from an emotional perspective. I mean, dollars and cents, that's really my wheelhouse and that's pretty easy to figure out. But in order for us to figure out if you have the night of enough resources to actually do it and create an adequate income distribution plan, you have to figure out 
what kind of income do I actually need and what does retirement look like for me? Meaning, what do you want to do? And the first question I ask people when they come into my office and they say, I think I'm ready to retire. What are you going to do? And if the answer is, I don't have the slightest idea, either you really, really hate your job, which is a fair answer, or you're not ready to retire yet. Because if you really, really just hate your job, that means you probably need to find a new job, not necessarily retire. I've had many, many, many times people hate their job, say, you know what, I'm just going to retire because I don't want to look for a new one. And after two or three weeks of the euphoria of I don't have to get up in the morning, which is pretty awesome, they realize they don't have anything else to do. They don't have a purpose. They don't have hobbies and they're bored and they need to go back and find another gig. So first thing I would say is find a clear vision of what retirement looks like for you. Is that uh, walking on the beach every day in Florida, playing golf? Is it volunteering? What is it? What's going to bring the purpose in your life? And I know this is, you know, I'm supposed to be the finance guy and not the psychologist here, but I've just seen too many times people without a clear vision of what happiness and retirement looks like for them is not the best way to approach it. And do you even, so let's say someone wants to golf. Do you say, well, how many times do you want to golf a week? And let's, you know, do you add all that up? Like what their budget's going to be when they're retired? In general, yes. So the easiest way to come up with a budget, and this is a great question, Diane, because people will ask, you know, I don't, I don't know what I spend. I mean, I've never really been, been on a budget. Where do I even start? Well, how much are you currently bringing home every two weeks or every month or pick a time interval? It doesn't matter. Not your gross, but how much are you actually bringing home in your checking account? They say, well, you know, I, I make X dollars amount, but I'm, I'm bringing home $2,000, uh, you know, every two weeks. Okay, so roughly $4,000 a month is what you're actually living on. How much is left at the end of the month of that $4,000? Well, nothing. All right, well, you need at least $4,000 a month if you want to continue to live the way that you're living today. And then you start adding and subtracting. So out of that $4,000 a month, well, and I'm using just random numbers, but $1,000 a month goes to my mortgage, which is going to be going away in four years. All right, well, we can subtract that out in four years and you have an extra thousand. What are you going to do in retirement that's going to be different than what you're doing now because you're home all day and have the opportunity to do whatever you want? Well, I'm going to golf every day or, you know, you use that as an example. Well, how much is that? Are you going to, are you going to golf at, the, at a country club or are you going to golf at a public course? And, you know, what, what does that look like? This is, already too can, this is already too restrictive for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can come up with broad brush strokes, right? Um, and you round. And, and I find that there are two categories of people. There's the engineering slash analytical crowd that come in and go, well, I figured it out. I need exactly an extra $436 a month and I'll be perfect. That's very unrealistic. And then there's the other crowd where you go, well, let's just round it to the nearest thousand. And they go, huh, this is making me very uneasy. I don't want to be that restricted. So you got to come up with some sort of semblance of a reality for you. Um, and that can be, you know, as, as much as just let's round it to the nearest thousand. But you start to plus and minus. So first we find out what do we want to do. Second, what does our budget look like? Add in pluses and minuses. And then once we have that number and we know that retirement is the right decision for you, and we have the number and we decide whether or not you're going to do part-time work or what that might all look like. Then we start to analyze what resources do you have to achieve that 401k uh, income generating, you know, rental property or an outside business um, potential inheritances down the line. I mean, really everything that fits into that puzzle, how much are you saving? If you said you want to retire, but not for two years, how much are you going to save between now and then? And then that points us in a direction of what can that plan actually generate? And are you holding enough water in your cup to make sure that you don't go thirsty when you're 90, basically? 
And, you know, we take into account how much do you want to leave to your kids? What are speed bumps that could come in along the way, like long-term care insurance or uh, the passing early of uh, a spouse? Or there's all these kind of stress tests is what they call them. And I know as I'm talking about this, particularly for you, Diane, as you already said, it's already too much for me to narrow it down to how much am I going to golf a week. This isn't as complicated as it sounds. What you end up seeing as the client after I've asked you a tremendous amount of questions is very similar to when you go to the doctor. A doctor asks you questions for 30 minutes and then gives you one script to fix the problem. He doesn't explain to you the molecular makeup of that particular prescription. And I'm not going to do that to you either unless you ask. What I'll show you is these are all the things that you said you wanted to accomplish. This is looking at it visually exactly what your glide path will look like in retirement. These are the things that we need to do. Here's your step-by-step -step action plan. How deep do you want to dive into why? If you want to go all the way down to the standard deviation risk level, you know, how we're spreading around, that's great. Happy to do it. I'm kind of an analytical dork, quite frankly, so I really enjoy that. But if you would rather say, just tell me what level of risk I'm taking, meaning if the S&P 500 is a 10, am I at a 5? Uh, what can I expect if the market crashes by 50%? What, what does what I'm doing look like? And will that get in the way of my goals? What if so? I hear these bad news about Social Security. I hear that it's going to go away. Well, it's not going to go away. But here is the worst case scenario, according to all the information that we have. Here's what yours would look like if it went away. Whatever challenges or, or, or concerns you've told me about or fears that you've told me about, we'll address them and make sure that your plan can hold up to those stressors. And maybe a couple additional stressors that I think are very pertinent that you haven't thought about. But once you have a clear vision and we know how much money it's going to take and we know your resources, then it's just a matter of dollars and cents and math, which that's exactly what we're here for. This is a weird question, but uh, what, what if something happens to you? <laughs> that's not a weird question. It's one that gets asked to me all the time. One, I'm going to be really unhappy about it because uh, I, I prefer life. But uh, <laughs> two... Um, you know, there's a couple, one you can always have. So I have a, a, an agreement or an arrangement that if something happens to me, I do have a backup plan. I have a business partner in a consulting company that I, that I also own where we do consulting for financial planners. He would step into that role temporarily. And we have some people that we would look to to potentially farm out the management of assets. Now, bear in mind, all the money managers that we use, all the insurance companies that we use, they're still very much in play. Nothing changes with the management of your money, but you're still going to want to meet with somebody like me and decide which managers we want to continue to work with and you know, have answer questions for you. He would fill that role. I've known him for well over two decades, so obviously very capable. That said, different personality types, right, Diane? So ultimately, some people are going to stay and some people are going to go, but rest assured that if something happens to me, your money is very much still protected, safe, and invested. It's still very much um, being managed the way that it was uh, the day before I got hit by the train. And you still very much have resources here in the office in the way of assistance and uh, financial planner to help you in any way you need in that period of transition. Well, of course, we don't want anything to happen to you. Well, I appreciate it. But I'm sure everybody No one wants... cares more than me. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. So there is a plan. There's You are definitely an integral part of the business. We don't want to see anything happen. But if there were something to happen to a person's financial planner, there is a backup plan in place. 
at least in my office, not in everybody's, but yes, in my office. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh's number, if you have questions, is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And again, Josh, I want to repeat that, of course, we want nothing terrible to happen to you. Okay, Josh, having a vision strategy is important. What are some possible hidden costs people will find and avoid thanks to careful planning? Yeah, this kind of really circles us back to making sure you're with the investment company or investment advisor, financial planner that has a specialization in retirement income distribution. There are many folks that consider themselves experts in the appreciation or the growth phase of retirement. But once you move into that dis- different season of your life and you say, well, I've grown this pot of money and now I need to actually take money off of it for the rest of my life to make sure that I can live the way that I want to for the rest of my life. That's really where you start to see the pitfalls occur. And those pitfalls come in the, in the way typically of taxes, Medicare expenditures, um, taking income. Just You hear this a lot. Well, how am I going to take money off of my, uh, you know, my pot of gold, if you will? I have this investment portfolio, and I get this statement every, every quarter or every month that shows this beautiful graph, this pie chart. And uh, I got lots of colors in my pie chart, and I think that's a good thing because colors mean diversification, right? And it seems to be going up, which everything, you could be a monkey and throw a dart at a dartboard, and over the last 11 years, you made a lot of money. But nevertheless, it's been going up for the last 11 years. So everything seems to be on track, and now the person that I work with says, well, how much do you need? And I say, well, I'd really like $1,000 a month. And he said, no problem, and he's just sending me $1,000 a month. Where is it coming from? Well, it's coming from that, that big graph coming from that chart what part of the chart because there's probably a more logical place to take it from than taking it from proportionally across all of those colors if that makes sense meaning as the market gets more and more volatile while that's a benefit via dollar cost averaging while you're growing your money it can be a severe detriment we call it sequence of return risk when you start taking money out matter of fact diane i can show you many many Equivalent scenarios with different rate, with different sequencing of returns, meaning I show you two separate people in over 25 years, they both average a 7% rate of return. However, the sequence in the returns can mean one person went broke before 25 years and the other person uh, has more than they started with in 25 years with the same withdrawal rate starting with the same amount of money. So obviously, if I can show you an example of that, uh, historically, sequence of returns is very, very important. But most investment advisors and financial planners are not taking into account sequence of returns and how to mitigate that risk in retirement. So the hidden costs are not just fees, meaning, well, how much is my manager or how much is my investment person charging me to manage my money? But also, what is it potentially costing me in the way of distribution risk or sequence of return risk? on how they're electing to take money out? And believe me, Diane, it'd be a heck of a lot easier for me to just say, well, they have a million dollars, just take $40,000 a year out and we'll just take it proportionally out of everything. That's way easier than developing an actual income distribution plan. But not developing one is like rolling the dice. I mean, it's a flip of a coin at that point. So be very cautious on paying, it's not a fee, but paying a high price for not having a legitimate plan, both in the way of sequence of return risk and in the way of unforeseen tax consequences by taking things out from the wrong areas at the wrong time in the wrong amounts. And that changes year over year. 
Josh's number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we return. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, let's talk about stress tests. You've mentioned this before, and I guess a little bit about the psychology with them. I know you put people's plans through stress tests. What happens if this event happens or that event happens? But can people get too concerned about future events and the impact on their retirement, or do you find they are not concerned enough? How much stress testing is too much? Obviously, this can go either direction, and I think a lot of it is just based upon the personality type of the individual that I'm talking to. We all know those people that have a you know, have a problem for every solution, right? No matter what you say, uh, the other shoe is going to drop. It's going to be awful. Sometimes you just can't win. But you also, even rational people, can dive too deep into the stress testing. And oftentimes people will describe to me scenarios that look so bad in the world that if what they're telling me actually happens, then I don't care what we do. Money doesn't matter anymore. I mean, they will, they will describe to you Armageddon. Well, what if the U.S. dollar is worth nothing? What if there's a, you know, a nuclear war? What if uh, Social Security goes by the wayside? What if corporate America as we know it dissolves? What if we're a communist country? What if, well, if that's your true belief, I, I think you should just be you know, stockpiling uh, guns, bullets, and sugar. I mean, it, and that's okay if that's the way you want to live your life, but there's no amount of stress tests that can account for that. So we have to be relatively reasonable. The other thing that I think happens oftentimes in stress tests is we start to combine all of the stress, the potential negatives together. And let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say, you know, interest rates uh, go up, taxes go up, Social Security, uh, everybody's Social Security payments go down, the market crashes by 30% in the first 15 minutes of your retirement, and we just keep on, and the roof blows off your house, and you need a new car, and, and you can just start going down all these potential pitfalls. And then you want to describe them all as happening on the same day. Well, that would be one heck of a day. I mean, that would be awful, right? Can you, when you stress test something, think of this as a flight simulator. Everybody gets in a flight simulator, to, well, not everybody, but pilots do, to prepare for the what-ifs. I promise you, if you get in a flight simulator and you say, give me all you got in the way of potential pitfalls, they can crash the plane on you. I promise. Knock off both the wings, kill everybody on the plane. I mean, you can do it. Well, you can do the same thing financially. I can make your plan explode. But what is the realistic likelihood of all of those things happening in tandem? And that's where people get kind of down the line. I think in general, when it comes to investing, um, when an opportunity looks amazing, we never look at history. We talk about how this time is going to be different. Think cryptocurrency, right? 
Right. It, even though there's a, there's a long track record of things that may, may not be cryptocurrency, but have entered the market that look very similar, going all the way back to tulips. I mean, you know, the, the tulip uh, fascination way back in the uh, way, 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 way back, you know, hundreds of years ago. So these well, things wait, have now happened. We, now we got to explain the tulip thing. Uh, okay, well, there was, there's been a lot of things throughout history. Let's just go through that without diving down the tulip thing. But there's been a lot of things in history that at times were viewed as insatiably valuable. Think Beanie Babies, right? Beanie Babies shot through the roof. And I know that's a collectible. Tulips were very similar. You can go down throughout history and find times where things shot up like a rocket ship temporarily. Now, you could make the argument that Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, there's only so much supply. So it would be more akin to something like gold. Okay, fair enough. We can go through that argument. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in cryptocurrencies in the long run. But what I am saying is when people view things like cryptocurrency, just because that's the hot thing of the day, or let's say GameStop, or let's say whatever the high flyer is of the day, even though history will show time and time again that over-leveraging yourself in that one category is probably a horrendous choice, we will ignore it because this time is different, right? However, when we look at things that we view as risky, we won't look at history to prove that maybe our minds are getting carried away. So when we look at it the other way and we say, well, what are the possible, possible negative things that could happen? We'll slap so much on there that I would say, well, show me a time in history where that has all happened at once. And you go, well, never really. But it could. All right. Well, you know, Bitcoin could go from $40,000 $40, a coin down to $20,000 overnight. Yeah, but let me tell you all the reasons why that won't happen. It's interesting when there's a greed element involved, we ignore history. But also when there's a fear element involved, we ignore history. So you have to look historically at both of these things. And really stress testing is an amalgam of looking at uh, history and the factors that could affect your portfolio. And I think stress testing is important, but don't get too carried away with it in one direction or the other. And then for those that aren't worried enough, you just uh, explain every disaster that's happened in history or just it, just point out exactly what could happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to I don't want to terrify people, but sometimes you do have to bring people down to down to reality. I I can tell you many, many instances of people coming in and saying something to the effect of, well, I just know it's all going to work out. Well, you have fifty thousand dollars total saved and you want to live on fifty thousand dollars a year and you just retired. I appreciate your optimism, but unless you somehow create the next Amazon overnight and you're the owner, uh, I don't see how this is going to work out. And it, you have to kind of let people down easy on that because there are eternal optimists regardless of logic. So it can happen on both sides of the coin. It's my job to share the facts, but in a way that maybe doesn't uh, uh, crush people on both sides of the coin. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So I'm just leveled uh, by finding out that $50,000 isn't enough to retire <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm no. sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But in all seriousness, how much, people always ask you this, and how much, mm -hmm. how much do they need to retire? And I know it all depends, but let's say bare minimum, get by, don't be golfing every week. How much would you say they would generally have to shoot for? Yeah, well, I got to give you a lot of disclaimers, as you would imagine, uh, because I'm not going to give you the old, uh, you know, you have to have a million dollars or you have to have this number because it is very individualized. But this is what I'll tell you. If you look at how much money you need, so do the analysis and say, this is the income that I need. 
So that's going to be very individual. This is the actual take-home income that I need. And we ignore taxation because everybody's scenario with taxes is going to be vastly different based upon whether they have all of their savings in a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. That changes the entire game. Or whether or not they need to live on $200,000 a year or $20,000 a year, obviously those are two dramatically different tax brackets. So if we ignore taxation, once you figure out how much you need in the way of annual income, and you take out from that, so let's say I need $50,000 a year, and I know that Social Security is going to be 30 of it, so that creates my shortfall. I know I need 20. With $20,000 a year, if you divide that by 4%, it tells you what your gross amount needs to be. The general rule of thumb in finance is you cannot withdraw more than 4% of the amount of money that you have to get to a net number that will last the rest of your life. Now, we can move that needle in different directions for different reasons, but if you're asking me, if you're holding my feet to the fire and you're saying how much, the general understood you know, base level concept in finance is for the 4% rule. So let's use the example I just said. And let's say that the shortfall is, let's just say that it's $40,000 a year or 20,000. I think I use 20,000, right? So you want 50, so Social Security's 30 of it. You need an extra 20. That would mean you need roughly $500,000 to get that additional 20 because 20% is, or, or 4% of $500,000 is 20 grand. So use the 4% rule if you want to get a good baseline. But don't get discouraged because I think oftentimes what we hear on news or on the radio or on we hear on TV, and I know that sounds hypocritical for me to say because I'm literally telling you this on the radio, but oftentimes we'll hear if you need if you want to live on 80 grand a year, well, the 4% rule means you need $2 million. That's simply not necessarily the case because we're ignoring pension income, rental income, social security, um, the uh, impact of taxation, et cetera. But that 4% rule on the shortfall income that you need is a very good gauge or a good place to start. Let's talk about taxation and the difference between the Roth IRA and the traditional IRA. What, uh, to me, I'm like, who wouldn't do the Roth IRA, but who shouldn't? You know, there's a lot of factors that go in there. One, what is the tax savings today of me doing a traditional? And, and for everybody listening, let's first, what's the difference? A traditional IRA or 401k or all of that alphabet soup, everything basically, TSP, everything besides a Roth IRA, you put money in pre-tax, you get a tax benefit today. So let's say you're in the 22% bracket, you put in a dollar, it only feels like 78 cents in your actual paycheck. So you're putting money in pre-tax, and that's a huge benefit because obviously now you're getting growth on money you would have otherwise paid in taxes, and that growth is tax-deferred. But then every dollar you pull out of that 401k or traditional IRA is in fact taxed. Now, the big hiccup here, Diane, is what will it be taxed at? Well, I don't know. I think taxes are going up. I think they're, we're forecasting. But then we also don't know how necessarily how much we're going to need based upon where we are in our working career, right? So if we're 20, we probably don't have any idea how much we're going to need when we retire. But if we're 65, we have a, a much better idea of what retirement looks like. So depending upon the tax savings that you're going to get today versus the tax benefit of later, you can start to do an analysis on whether or not the traditional works better than the Roth. And the reason you can do that analysis is, remember, the Roth is you put money in after tax. It grows tax deferred. But as long as you leave it in for five years, all the gains are tax free. So as a general ideology, when you're younger, Roth it. Roth like crazy. Do a Roth when you're in your 20s and you will be a very happy person because of all the gains that you've accumulated on a tax free basis for a very slight giving up of tax benefit and you're probably in your lower income earning years 
as you get older and closer and closer to retirement, then obviously you have less time for that money to grow, which means it's not going to grow as much. And you're also probably in your peak earning years. So there could be a benefit to paying or saving the taxes now and paying them later because you could be in a lower income tax bracket when you retire. But then you kind of mix all that up and stir it up and shake it out and go, yeah, but what about, I don't know where taxes are going to be. And I know that we're in a pretty difficult spot in our economy. And here's my political beliefs and where I think tax rates are going to go. And what about, I'm going to leave this money to my kids. And then it starts getting much more complicated. But in general, when you're younger, Roth, as you get older, start doing more analysis. Up to what age? When When does young end? Yeah, well, it, it, really, I hope young never ends for my benefit because, you know, I want to feel young for the rest of my life. But I think from a financial perspective, young is 20s and 30s for sure. Once you get into your 40s, I'm not saying you don't do a Roth. It still makes a lot of sense. But I think you start, need to do, you start needing to do more analysis. So this is where we come in. Contact our office. We'll tell you which one makes sense for you after we know more about your situation as opposed to just, you know, these are general guidelines and rules, but they are not definitive to you. To schedule an appointment with Josh, the phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, cryptocurrency and stability don't necessarily go together, as we have seen. But is there a possibility some of the traditional retirement savings options, like a 401k, will will start to incorporate crypto in their profiles in the future? I think it's probably inevitable. I think there will be a high enough demand that they will make their way into retirement asset classes. Now, whether or not that's you know, IRAs and 401ks are just self-directed IRAs. And there's some hurdles that we need to get through, you know, how accepted will cryptocurrency be in the way of, you know, buying and selling of goods and services versus just being a long-term investment. And, you know, they have some energy issues and there's a lot of issues that still face them. But I think the demand is substantial enough at this point that it will probably head that direction. But I think you also said something in the question, if I recall correctly, where you said, I know they don't, stability and crypto don't necessarily go hand in hand. It concerns me greatly that people can use or will be potentially able to use uh, a large chunk of their long-term savings assets for what I would view to be day trading. I'm not saying that you don't probably know someone, Dan, that's made money day trading. I certainly know people that are buying and selling crypto all the time, and some of them are making money and some of them are losing money. But that day trading ideology or methodology historically has never worked. And I know that I have some friends that might be listening to the show right now that are going, ah, Josh has lost it. He doesn't get it. I'm making a fortune in this crypto stuff. 
Um, I also know a lot of people that traded options during the late 90s. A very good friend of mine traded options during the late 90s and made millions before he didn't. Um, there's always going to be that new thing that people can trade with very short-term gains in mind, and they can make hay for a period of time. But as we're having this conversation, over the last several weeks, we've watched cryptocurrency, let's just use Bitcoin for an example, go all over the map with double-digit drops and gains almost daily. Um, that's, a very, uh, that's a recipe for a very disastrous thing for people when we're talking about their long-term savings. And people view their 401k oftentimes and cryptocurrency oftentimes the same way that we view, um, you know, there's a reason why casinos use chips and not dollar bills. And it's because chips are just, it's just a chip. A dollar bill feels way more real. Well, similarly, when you're in your self-directed IRA and you're trading with cryptocurrency and you can kind of, you know, click a button and move shares here and shares there, it's very easy to get, it's very easy to get lost in that and start losing a lot of money. And I think, you know, there's enough pros and cons to crypto right now that you should be cautious. As a matter of fact, I, I saw just in the last week, I don't know if you remember the movie, The Big Short, mm -hmm. Diane. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Burry was the guy uh, that was that was based upon that shorted the uh, housing market. He's been very adamant about how Main Street, not Wall Street, but Main Street is really set to get hurt dramatically in the way of crypto because of the amount of leverage that is going into crypto. And by leverage, I mean... People are reaching a point now where they're borrowing large chunks of money to invest it in crypto. Anytime that happens, it sets itself up for quite the bubble. So be cautious. Do I think they're going to get there? I do. But be very, very cautious, please. Are there any successful tips for day traders? Like when you're gambling in Vegas, how if you win some, you put the money that you put in and put it back in your pocket. So if you're doing crypto, if you say, okay, I make 100000 As soon as I make 100000 sell and don't worry about it going up. Like is, is there a wise way to do this or just stay away from it completely? It's gambling. Human nature kicks in. The addiction kicks in. And it's just all ugly. Yeah, this, this seems very akin to me of, uh, well, as long as you don't mix, you'll never get sick drinking. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, everybody has a theory, right? right? And everybody's got the, well, you know, I'll tell you what I do when I go to Vegas and it, it never fails. Um, how many people do you really know? If you were going to line up a hundred people and you said, all right, I'm going to point to the people who have won in Vegas. I bet you it's a very small percentage. And similarly, when it comes to day trading, there's a very small percentage when the dust settles that are going to win big in this because of the trading in and out. Not because I believe that crypto won't last. Anytime you have something as volatile as this, there will be winners and losers, but there will in invariably be more losers than winners. But the other thing that happens is if I lined up 100 people, all of us would focus on the three people that went to Vegas and made a million dollars. All of us, because it's very, it's very romantic, right? Everybody's got that story. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who bought 100 Bitcoin back when it was 73 cents, and now he's got 4 million bucks. And I actually know a story like that. So, I mean, it's very romantic to think, and then you start playing the game, what would I do if I made $4 million in Bitcoin overnight? What would I do? What would I buy first? Same reason the lottery works. But there's only one winner in the lottery. But we all talk about what if we were that one. That is not a long-term plan for the uh, viability of your retirement income stream. Does that mean that you can't take 1% or 2% or maybe even 5% of your retirement portfolio and go, you know what, I'm going to take some chances with this. I really believe in this strategy, and I'm going to give it a shot. By all means, do that. My concern is that 
people will take 50, 75, 100% of their portfolio and try and day trade Bitcoin. And when we're, you know, we already know the stats. The average person in the United States has a net worth of less than 2,500 bucks. That's terrifying. These people are not prepared for retirement, for sure. But what happens if another 25% of the United States starts betting on Bitcoin? And it's, I'm not saying that it's not going to make it, but what if it doesn't? Be careful. Make sure that you're hedging your bets. If you want to think of Vegas, make sure you're hedging your bets. Maybe it is, Diane, you know, you take 100, you win 100, you take your original 100, put it in your pocket, and you play with, quote, house money. Maybe that's a strategy. All I'm saying is make sure that you're keeping it within reason. Well, there's lots of people that are not ready for retirement and they need something or a big chunk to feel like they're making up for the lost time or the errors in their past or whichever. Does this sound like a, I'm, ta- I'm talking about a friend of mine. So, sure, you know, sure. is there anything that they can do to make up for it? Yeah, for sure. I think one, you know, trying to improve your situation in the way of income by excelling in whatever it is that you do. Increased income gives more money for savings, et cetera. Learn. Learn about your occupation, learn about investing, be disciplined, wait for the right opportunity, but at the same time, consistently invest over and over and over again. The way to success, unfortunately, I know we like to think of Jeff Bezos as, you know, we talk about him like he's an overnight success, but can you imagine, do you remember when Amazon started and you first saw there's a bookstore online and you probably did the same thing I did? You go, who in the heck is going to buy this nonsense online? We, we, who's going to buy books online? I like to go and sit down and read them in the store, and it's kind of a, a whole event. This is not an overnight success. What made Jeff Bezos successful was discipline and consistency. That's the only way you're going to succeed in whatever it is you decide to do, whether you decide that that path of that course of option is uh, is Bitcoin or whether it's investing in the stock market. My only suggestion in all of this is live within your means, control your taxes, have multiple streams of income, and make, you, make sure you've done the calculation and you have a trusted advisor to help you along the way. And don't get divorced. Uh, that's, that's Warren Buffett's rule, right? The only way to be rich and stay rich is don't get married or don't get divorced. But, you know, that's, that's obviously uh, for a lot of people already behind them. They've been divorced already. But I guess, you know, all joking aside, Diane, the only way is through discipline. And I think oftentimes people get behind and they feel like the only way to get ahead is taking more risk and doubling down, mm-hmm. right? I, I took 100 bucks, I lost 50 bucks in the casino, so the only way I'm going to get it back is by taking more risk. Well, thank you for playing. That's perfect. The, the casino, I promise you, is clapping in the back room, watching your illogical pattern of thought. Do not do that. You are just going to go down the hole in a quicker spiral. So make sure you're disciplined, make sure you have a plan, make sure you educate yourself, and make sure you wash and rinse and repeat, right? You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Federal Reserve recently hinted that interest rates may be creeping up. What can we do now to prepare for a return to higher rates? Yeah, well, one, you know, the, the, the Fed originally had said that they were going to keep rates relatively the same for the next few years. Then they came out here just uh, you know, this past week and said, well, I think we're actually going to have to start creeping them up sooner than we thought. The question is, what does creeping up mean? You know, if they're talking about a quarter point over the next 12 months, um, is that absorbable by the economy? Probably. But I think what it's an indication of is they want to make sure that they rein in inflation so we don't end up back in the crazy 80s. So it's actually encouraging to me that they are interested in raising interest rates rather than letting inflation careen out of control. All of that being said, 
what can we do to protect ourselves? And I talked about this on, on Bruce's show uh, this past week. Certain asset classes tend to favor better in periods of inflation. Things like we call them hard assets or commodities, things like gold, silver. Um, if you've paid attention to beef prices as of late, you can obviously see that you know, those types of things, corn, wheat, soy, et cetera, have definitely uh, seen the impact of inflation. But at the same time, I don't suggest that everybody takes all their money and puts it in gold, uh, for example, because gold has been the worst investment historically over the long run, shy only to cash, because cash does not keep up with inflation, obviously. So gold has really just matched inflation. It hasn't been a great investment. The only things that have really been tremendous investments over time have been stock market, land, things like that. But land prices are obviously really high, so I would tell you to tread lightly and cautiously in going out and buying a bunch of real estate, not saying that I don't think real estate has room to go. So what did I really do in the way of an answer? I didn't give you an answer, did I, Diane? So let's talk about what I think is the way to protect yourself against rising inflation. One, you have to own shares of companies via stocks to some capacity. What stocks are going to favor best in a period of uncertainty? Value-based stocks with good fundamentals. So start to pull away from some of the high flyers, um, not saying Netflix, Google, Facebook, Amazon, all those don't have you know, great attributes to them and perhaps couldn't go higher, but safer bets would be companies like you know, Johnson & Johnson, et cetera. We're talking about those value-based, easy-to-analyze companies that pay a dividend. I think dividend income is going to be very, very income, is going to be very, very important, excuse me, over the next 10 years. So let's start focusing on value over the next five or 10 years. Um, and then multiple streams of income. We talk about this uh, multi-legged stool, right? In the past, people had pensions, Social Security, et cetera, plus their savings. Now it's really just 401k and savings. So we have to turn our 401k into something that looks like we have more than just stocks and bonds. So start thinking about things like how do I invest in maybe an income-generating annuity to create my own pension? Well, there I just took it to three legs on the stool as opposed to two. Does it make sense for me to maybe even look at uh, the rental real estate market? Should I buy a rental? Yes or no? And if so, what would it take in prices versus income generation for that to look attractive? What are the benefits of that? And this is where it comes back to education, education, education. But I would suggest that as we enter into these times of uncertainty and potential inflation, you better have at least three sources of income, not just two. Besides the weekend, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. This has been the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. You can catch us every weekend at this same time. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks for spending time with us today. Have a great weekend, everyone. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.